Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Securing Bridges podcast. You're about to join Alyssa Miller as she sits down with senior and executive security leaders to share stories of success and failure while working across business teams. It's time to build and secure the bridge to the business. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. All right, Securing Bridges fans, we got back. We had a couple weeks off, holidays, you know, got to enjoy the, the time with family or friends or whoever it is that you share your time with. I know I over here, there was a lot of a lot of quiet moments, which were actually really, really nice. So, but we're back at it. We've got lots of great content. We're here in 2023, ready to kick things off in style. And as always, I've got yet another incredible guest. I am so fortunate. I've been looking forward to this now for a couple of weeks and here we are. So we're ready to kick things off. We've got with us today, it's Helen Patton. Helen, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, Lisa? Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. It's really, I, like I said, I, I've been looking forward to this. It's been, you know, last couple of weeks, we, we had a last minute cancellation two weeks ago and then last week we were off for the holidays. So, hey, I'm, I'm, had this one circled, getting ready to kick off 2023, and I can't think of anyone better. Um, can you go ahead, though, and just tell the folks out there a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing this security thing for a really long time. Um, and, you know, note to self, if you're at home, kids don't do what I did. Um, so <laughs> I finished high school in Australia, note the accent, uh, accidentally met this guy who was from Ohio, accidentally found myself living in Ohio in the early 90s, accidentally found myself working for a company that was doing an IT conversion and I knew nothing about IT at the time, accidentally got myself hired by the consulting company that was helping us do the IT conversion, accidentally learned how to do networking and servers and help desks and IT right at the time where we were dealing with Y2K and I love you viruses and slammers and whatever's accidentally got asked to do a security program by my CIO who was getting fed up by all of our up and down systems at the time accidentally got into security worked 10 years at JP Morgan as in the security space in various parts of JP Morgan um, got to have a worldwide team. That was all a big accident as well. Um, on purpose, left JP Morgan and became the CISO at the Ohio State University. And I was there for eight years when I thought I'd only be there for three. Uh, and recently, recently, like in the last two or three years, left Ohio State, I've joined Cisco and Duo. Um, and I started at Cisco as an advisory CISO, and I did that for a year. And now I'm back in the trenches again because I'm a glutton for punishment. And so I'm the CISO for the security business group at Cisco um, and having fun running a team. I've got about 80 folks who are part of my team, um, and I'm having a ball. So that's 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 the journey. <laughs> you know what I love about that the most is like all the – accidentally accidentally like i know so many people myself included yeah. in this industry who will say it you know we we landed here we got through various phases of our journey and it was mostly accidents although i've i've since replaced the word accident 
with serendipity. Accidents, but you know. Yeah, there's definitely a part of I was ready for whatever the accident resulted in. So there, there was sort of that. But it seemed my career history is that every time I've gone to a new organization, within a week, there is a reorganization. The job I thought I was applying for wasn't the job that I ended up with. The manager I thought I was going to be working for wasn't the job, wasn't the manager I ended up with. Like, because <laughs> I wanted to be intentional about my career, serendipity, fate, karma, however you want to phrase it, 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 it came back and, and just messed my plans up every single time. But so far it's worked out, so I can't really, I'm not complaining about it, it's just what it is. And I think that's important, honestly, when I talk to people about, you know, um, you know, even like imposter syndrome and stuff. And it's like, you know, honestly, we all kind of, we all get help. We all have, you know, lucky breaks, whatever. It's, it's more, I think what we do with lucky breaks a lot of times, not always. I mean, there, you know, some people do just get more fortunate breaks than others. I'm not going to lie about that. And privilege no. is a thing, Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, one of the things I've done in my career too, is each time, like one of those things kind of presented itself, it wasn't anything I had planned for. Right. It's just, I, I took the leap. I mean, I, I can't count how many jobs I've said that about where, you know, I hadn't planned to leave my current job this quickly, but Hey, there's this thing. Oh, sure. So when I left Ohio state, I actually thought I was done with being a CISO and in what I call an in the trenches operational CISO and I intentionally went from Ohio State to Duo and Cisco. But even then, like within two to three weeks, there was an internal reorganization. And so the job I, I applied for working with the amazing Wendy Naver, that happened, but we were working for a different part of the organization and our, the focus of the team changed from what I thought the focus was when, when I first started and and so every single time it's required me to be able to adjust and flex and, and just get on with it. Um, and I guess I'm lucky in some ways I can do that without too much gnashing of teeth yeah. sometimes. sometimes. Um, but that was really the only time in my whole career where I've really, really intentionally moved from one role to another. It's crazy. But I, I, I like that we're highlighting this, honestly, and I hadn't expected this was going to be the way this conversation would go, but it's great because I think for a lot of people, maybe those are situations that cause consternation and they can, every one of them can lead to something new, no matter how well you plan your career. I don't know anyone who's really seen their career go, at least in cybersecurity and maybe tech as a whole, according to what they planned. Mine Never. certainly didn't. No. Um, I mean, I've, I've had the same situation, went to work. My, in fact, my last job, funny thing, I went to work there because I was going to get to work with one of these really cool colleagues of mine who I'm still trying to get on the show. <laughs> if you're watching, Laura. <laughs> um, but no, and then I was there three days and she tells me she's leaving. And then, yeah. you know, but she's the one, she was the reason I joined, but I still did the job and it was a great yeah. job. I was a BSO yeah. at S&P Global for, you know, a year and a half was great. Yeah. And had just hired a great, great person, colleague, friend of mine to come in and join my team there. Mm. And before he even started, I got offered my current role as a CISO and same thing. Hadn't intended to leave 18 months in, but yeah. did left right as he was coming in. So kind of, I don't pay that 
forward. Yep. Yep. And you know, it, it can work in multiple ways too. I've, I've been, I won't say when this happened, but I've been in a situation where I was really interested in a job that was offered to me, but I wasn't really thrilled with the manager actually. And I was like, do I really want to go work for this person? I was like, oh, but I really want the job and it's going to be great experience. And I took the job and between the time I was hired and the time I started, the manager was gone. And I was like, yay, <laughs> so it was great. So it works both ways too. Yeah, I'd be lying <laughs> if I said I haven't experienced that. Uh, <laughs> only once, only once I will say. But yeah, uh, yeah you know, and I, I think that happens too. And it's it's okay to recognize that. I mean, sometimes you join a company and you, you, you kind of take that flyer, but, um, you know, and it's I it's almost its own challenge. Like, yeah, hey, I'm to work for this person I'm not sure I can work with. Yeah, I, I would tell you that as I've, as I've got more experience with interviewing and taking on new roles, I am, I really listen to my gut. If I interview with someone and I'm not really sure about the person, in particular the person, um, it's going to red flag me to probably go, yeah, no, this isn't, even if the job looks great, this isn't the job I really want to go for. So in hindsight, my older self would tell my younger self, don't, don't take that role. But it, it ended up working out in my favor, but I think I just got lucky for once. <laughs> That's yeah. How that yeah, it can yeah. happen too. Yeah. <laughs> And, and But that's important too, even again, going back to that, you know, that kind of imposter syndrome thing that holds people back. One of the big ones is, you know, well, I got lucky or whatever. I didn't right. really do that. It was just luck. Well, no, we all have that some measure of luck that comes along sooner or later. And yeah. again, it, it's what you do with that. For sure. You know, and I really think security is a team sport too. I don't know of anybody who can independently take credit for every good thing that happens or or the blame for every bad thing that happens. I know, you know, as CISOs, we have a tendency to get together and, and worry about being the scapegoat of the moment. But the reality is, regardless of how a company responds, the it's it's everyone's in the, swimming in the pool at the same time, regardless. So for me, imposter syndrome happens for sure, but I have to remind myself that I'm just one person in an organization and it's really a combined sum of all the effort of everybody in the organization as to whether we succeed or fail. And I can't take full credit for that and I can't take full blame for that either. So, yeah, it, it, it it's an interesting profession to be in for sure because it's easy to doubt yourself because there aren't really strong rules of engagement or, you know, we don't have generally accepted accounting principles for security where everyone goes, do it that way. You know, everyone's making it up as they go along, which is great and fun and you can innovate and you can do amazing things and you can really stuff it up and you got to take that risk and go with it, you know. But but we have NIST and... So, you know, and, and you highlight something too that I... Honestly, there's, we've had some conversation the last couple of days on Mastodon about this. Um, you know, I, I tooted, or I guess we're not, they're not toots anymore. I don't know what they are. They're publish posts. Yeah. Yeah. But put some stuff out there in the last couple of days about, you know, some of the frustrations I have with some of the people in our own industry and how, you know, the way we hire and what we do, it, it, it 
it all speaks to, I think, the fact we don't have a clear, now you catch the segue, we don't have a clear path into cybersecurity careers. No. So just like I wrote a book, you wrote a book, and yours is called Cybersecurity Career Path. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So talk to me a little bit about this because I'll admit, sorry, I have not read the book yet. It's okay. Um, it's okay. But uh, no, I mean, I seriously, because that that speaks to me as like what we need in this industry yeah. in part is a clear path. Yeah, well, sure we do. So I wrote this book and where it came from was I at the time I was the CISO at the university. And in that role, I would get a lot of, and I was teaching undergraduate cyber risk classes and stuff as well. So I'd have a lot of people who'd reach out and go, how do I get into cybersecurity? And because of my time in the industry, I also had people who were already in the industry going, okay, I'm here, but I'm struggling with this thing. I'm struggling with imposter syndrome or being a minority in tech or, you know, trying to work out whether I want to be a single contributor or a manager or whatever. So there was that. And then I had people reach out to me who were starting to lead a team for the first time. So what I found was, one, I couldn't drink enough coffee to meet with all these people who wanted to talk with me. And two, they were always asking the same questions. And so I wanted to mentor at scale. So what I did was I took these questions, which I'd been blogging about for two or three years anyway, and I turned it into a book where the first section is, I just want to get into security. And so some of that is the traditional career path of a college student, and some of that was, okay, I've already been working for 10 years and I want to go sideways into security. How do I do that? So traditional and non-traditional ways of getting in. And then the middle section of the book is, okay, congratulations, you're in. Now, how do you survive <laughs> and thrive? Yep. And then the last section is, okay, how do you actually lead? Um, and so that that's sort of how I wrote the book. Where it seems to be resonating the most, though, is in that still in that first section, and not just in college students. Actually, it's more okay. I'm in IT, but I want to focus on security now, or I'm a project manager, or I'm a business analyst, or I'm a school teacher, and I want to move into cyber. Right. So how how do you move sideways? And one of the things that I think we're doing a really actually a disservice to everyone's reading that we don't have enough people working in cyber. And so all these college students are going, yay, here's a job that pays a shit ton of money. And um, obviously, as soon as I graduate, I'm going to get hired because I, it's a thing, right? Right, of course. But yeah. what I'm finding is actually there's huge competition for the entry level, no experience roles. And that's actually not what the industry needs right now. We need people who've got five to 10 years worth of experience inside it. That's where the gap is. We've got people who've been in security for 35 to 40 years. They're about to retire. And we don't have this huge pool of people waiting to backfill them, right? So yes, we need to be investing in the, let's call it the bottom of the pipeline in terms of getting things through elementary school, up through high school, up through college, into the cybersecurity career. And more importantly, we need to help people move from other disciplines into cybersecurity and bring their experience of the business and how the business works and how to all the, dare I say it, soft skills, which I even hate using the word soft skills, all the people with developed soft skills and teach them how to do cyber 
and bring them in so that they're not entry level when they start. We've got to do a better job of that and we suck at it as an industry. I couldn't agree more. And you know, I mean, that's, and I think even, you know, I, I think part of the reason we've run into this sort of dearth of people in that mid range is because we didn't build for the longest time, those people at kind of, you know, that entry level. That's right. And I, you know, and so there's all this really bad advice out there and I'm going to, I'm going to throw this up here quick. Um, if this will work, maybe, no, that didn't work. Uh, there we go. That's what I wanted to do. So this is what I was talking about on Mastodon. This is one of them, right? And, the, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to read it to everybody. Y'all can read this yourselves. But the, the thing here is like we tell people, you know, for, and, that, and I'm thinking back over the last 20 years. It was, yeah. first it was, well, you need to get a degree. And then we yeah. wanted, well, we got to have cybersecurity degrees. And we don't have that. So academia built cybersecurity programs. Well, yeah. then that still wasn't enough. Then we told people, okay, well, you know, go get certs. And that. Yeah. Well, oh, but certs don't really mean anything. That you know, you you got to do, you got to have passion, and you got to you know build your home lab and do all these things, and and it's like, you know, after all that, and then then yeah, I see people complaining that people don't have the the work ethic it takes to get it. I'm like, well, you just put them through that whole ringer, <laughs> don't, because everything that they've invested time and lots of money in hasn't worked. No. So why would they listen to you now that they should do this other thing? Yep. When, all of this other stuff was just not happening. Yeah. And so that's, you know, I, I feel like, you know, that's where we've really fallen down is there isn't mm -hmm. that clear path. And that's why, again, I, I love the, uh, you know, I, I, I love the title and where that goes. I have to read the book at some point because I'm, you know, I'm making assumptions about where it goes, but the title makes it sound pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um because that's what we need. We need yeah. a solid career path. Yeah. I think, uh, so I've been kicking around, do I write another book? And I was like, well, what do I write a book about? And every time I have a conversation like this, I'm like, I need to write a book for security managers on not only how to hire people, but how to mentor and train on the job. Because even for the folks that successfully get into cybersecurity, often they're, they're, they're given the next task with a sink or swim kind of attitude as well. We don't ladder their training as well as we should. We don't give them this sort of round, round the world of cybersecurity experience in a low risk kind of way. We just sort of throw them in the deep end and go, go do incident response, go do GRC, go do this, go do that. And they've never done it before. It, like they may have studied it maybe, but they've never done it before. And we're just like, just go do it, see what happens, you know? And that works for some people, but for other people, it doesn't. It's scary and it's stressful when they feel like they're 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 just waiting to be chopped. And so I think we need our managers and the people around the management structure, our HR partners, our recruiters, all of those kinds of things. We need all these people to be trained up on how to develop a workforce. Yes. But I know there's lots of there's lots of just generic training around there. How do you how do you develop a workforce? But there's a security twist to it that I think we need to help them with, you know? Okay. So first of all, not to put any pressure on you because I realize we're live when I'm saying this, but if you want to co-author for that book. Oh, right on. Let's do it. I am there with you because this is exactly the the TEDx talk I did uh, two years ago. This is, so I, when I started writing my book, it was, I did a bunch of research First, mm -hmm. like I did some, I did some surveys, not like really academic research. Don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. I research is probably way over stating, 
but you know, I did some surveys, I did some data collection, I did some interviews, and I thought like I was going to find the answer to what job seekers were doing wrong, right? Like they're, they're just doing something wrong. And of course it highlighted that, yeah, we really do just suck at how we hire. Yeah. And it's because, you know, in part, because I don't feel like we train managers on how to identify talent, what to even be looking for. So we all, as managers, we kind of fall back on, well, how did I get here? So that's right. what I go looking for. Yeah. Well, I used yeah, to be a software right. developer and I stumbled into security. So I want to go look for software developers. No, that's, that's yeah. exactly wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, we when you don't know what to do, you default to doing what you know. And what you know is what you did, right? So yeah. I, I don't blame managers for doing it that way, but it's obviously not working. So we got to we got to try something different. That's oh, I don't blame them either. I mean, I say we suck and that's a harsh word, but we do. I mean, <laughs> objectively true. Collectively. Yeah, we but, do. Yeah, we don't do and I it's not just in security, honestly. I mean, I, I've seen it in all shades. You know, this is probably maybe more a knock on HR, but we don't train managers. I've seen some training, but it, it's never really, you know, we, we train them to like know about, you know, EEOC here in the United States, right? That, yeah. That's a big thing. Equal opportunity, how not to get in trouble, not to do things right. that are going to, you know, be illegal. Yeah. Whatever. But we don't really treat train them, you know, we train them on like star method and stuff, but even that, what are you looking for yeah. in that scenario? We tell them how to ask a, a question that will, you know, someone will answer with star method, you know, how to yeah. do that scenario based. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is something I feel super passionate about and I've, I feel like, you know, unfortunately it doesn't give a lot of hope to the people out there who are trying to get jobs or pivot in because yeah. you're saying, yeah, we suck at this. Sorry. Um, yeah. But I think it's important. Those people understand that there are people here who see the problem and are trying to fix it. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think there's sort of two sides to it too. If you're a job seeker and you know that the hiring managers suck, right? They're asking the wrong questions or they're looking for the wrong kind of background. Can you, as part of the interviewing process, correct them can like what can we give the job seekers to say when a high when an interviewing manager asks you this question don't answer that question directly go with this other question like you know how how can how can job seekers help themselves that's hard that's an unfair burden to put on a job seeker but we're probably going to have to do it a little bit the other side of it though is as an industry we don't agree on what security is like every time i go on the socials and ask a question about a definition related to cybersecurity. I get a different answer off Twitter than I do off LinkedIn, that I do off Mastodon, and I, I get a different answer if it's a startup CISO versus a big established general, you know, 150-year-old company CISO. Like everyone's bringing their own experience to the role and thinking that everybody else's experience is wrong. And so, you know, like it's just awful so I think some of it is yeah we're going to have to train managers some of it is we're going to have to train the job seekers but as an industry we still have to be really clear on what security is and isn't and I think as we put those boundaries around what security is and isn't a lot of the stuff security teams think they should be doing today is going to go to non-security groups like it will go back to IT like just looking at something like 
identity management. We can't even agree whether identity management is a security function, an IT function or an operations function yet. Well, let's freaking decide. And then we can rerun the numbers in terms of where we've got shortages. And if it is in security, which I think it should be, by the way, great. But that means not just the people running the identity management solutions. It also means the people running active directories. And it means the people you know, anywhere there is access controls, that's a security function. Okay, all those IT people need to come into security. And oh, by the way, when they're here, they can be doing other stuff as well. So, it, you know, I think there's going to be a, a shuffle of where resources really need to sit once we define what security really is. And we have people like college students will come to me and say, I want to work in security. And I'll go, great. What does security mean to you? And they go, ethical hacking. And I'm okay, you know there's more to security than ethical hacking, right? And they're like, oh, <laughs> really? And, and some of them know, right? I get, I get, you know, some of them know, but most of them don't. They think it's, they think it's hacking. And yeah. hacking's like this much. A tiny little bit, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, so, so, you know, I, I think we can help job seekers better understand what it means. It's, it's like going and saying, I want to work in IT. Well, what part of IT? Because there's a lot of it. And there's old IT and there's new IT. Well, there's old security, there's new security. There's operational functional stuff, there's governance and compliance related stuff. You know, yeah. I'm telling you all the things you already know. So but, but no, these are important points, right? Because you say what is security and how many people will tell you a definition of security? It's just happened on Mastodon, and I'm not gonna call the person out because everybody's entitled to their own opinions and whatever, but you know, it's how many people, when you ask them about security, will define it in terms of IT? Oh, mm, that, yeah. You know, we there's this kind of been this ongoing complaint, as long as I've been in IT, about having CISOs report to CIOs, right? Uh, yeah. By the way, I do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a great situation. It works out great. Yeah. But, you know, we struggle. We say, well, they should be report to the CRO or they should report to legal or whatever. Yeah. The reality is the problem with all this is because we don't really recognize that security covers all of that, right? And it's why, honestly, you know, we've I've heard it said before, but without real good justification, it's why the CISO should be reporting to the CEO. Yeah, in I agree. Role. You know, ideally, that's if if I had my my druthers for my role, that's what it would be. I don't mind reporting to the CIO. Yeah. Like I said it works actually really well in my organization, and I'm glad for it. Yeah, but you know, at the end of the day. It, it it does reach into finance, it reaches into compliance, it reaches into legal, IT, all of those are partners of ours, like you say. So you think about like in terms of IAM, yeah. well, okay, yeah, identity and access management, why do we argue about it? Well, because yeah, it's a security function, but we need all these IT folks to help us implement it. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. And, and so I think recognizing those connections and putting CISOs in a position where they you know, have a little more breath to influence, yeah. you know, it, it, it can work. Like yeah. I, said, I mean, the way I'm, I'm operating right now, my organization works great. I absolutely am completely happy with it. Yeah. But, you know, I think by and large industry wide that, you know, that's a sign. And in fact, if you want to start a flame war, by the way, speaking of terminology and how you define security, <laughs> ask some, just ask what the, ask people to define what the difference between info security and cybersecurity is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I, 
been caught up in that swirl before too. Again, I go this to me goes back to boundary. Like some people will say, well, infosec is a subset of cyber, and then other people go, no, 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 cyber is a subset wow. of infosec. And yep. you know, <laughs> you get it both ways. I don't really care. The question for me is, are we getting done the shit that needs to get done, and we're doing it well? And so one of the things I asked on all the socials, including Mastodon this week, was what's your definition of effective? And can you do effective security and take into account things like resiliency and work-life balance and, 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 and what's your definition of efficiency related to effectiveness, right? That caused a complete different kind of storm that I oh, was no doubt. counting on. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... It, it let's face it it's it's just a young profession really comparative yeah. i mean don't get me wrong cybersecurity has been around for decades and we tend to forget that sometimes but comparatively young and i think what's been missing too is that company executives the c suite they have no idea how to deal with technology risk cybersecurity risk they still think of it as an it problem and not a business problem and I think we need to get their voices engaged in the conversation. And we've been trying for a really long time as an industry, but I think we've got to get their voices engaged in the conversation. And then it will start to shake out where it really makes sense for security to be and not be. Um, but we, we're not there yet. No, not at all. I yeah. Mean, so I don't know how I missed this question. I, I actually just had a look. I am following you on Mastodon. <laughs> Why am I not following you on Mastodon? Oh, yeah, I am. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so, Helen, by the way, everybody, on infosec.exchange. So come. And by the way, folks, if you're not on Mastodon yet, why not? Why not? Please come why? join us in the happy <laughs> space. Uh, anyway, sorry, a little plug there. It's okay. Um, but no, it's important. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's I, you know, we struggle with that, and and so often, like that that cybersecurity versus infosec thing is so pedantic. At, at the end of the day, anyway, who cares? Yeah, no one cares. Like I, I dove into it in the beginning of my book. Like I, I kind of defined, but did it from the standpoint of you know, well, it was infosec initially. That's what we called it. We called it infosecurity back in like the seventies, eighties, nineties, right? And then, you know, the internet came along and it slowly became cybersecurity mm. and infosec kind of, a, you know, and then, yeah, when I say infosec is like part of cybersecurity, that's right. why I yelled at because people are like, no, 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 no. Cybersecurity is part of infosec. Wait, who cares? Yeah, who cares? The two are basically <laughs> synonymous now. Right. So the thing that's really fascinating to me, which I, I'm continuing to sort of learn more about is why people and organizations do security and some of it came out of immature or what i think my theory is immature organizations will start with compliance we do security because we have to and then they once they actually start doing it then they get into sort of more existential questions and so this you know you get into questions of, is it a safety issue is it a moral issue is it um, you know, so is, is it a um, differentiator market share kind of issue? Like, what is it? Why? What is the why of the company? And then what is the why of the cyber practitioners that are in it? And when I talk to students or people who are looking to get into cyber, one of my first, my first question is, when you say security, what do you mean? But my second question is, why do you want to work there? 
And their answer might be because I want to make a shit ton of money. And if that's the case, great. That's fine. That's going to send you down one path. If the other path is because I want to protect the world from all bad cyber things, well, that's a whole different kind of path, right? And what I find burnout happens is when your why and the company why don't meet. When there's a difference, that's when you get into um, I'm doing it for this purpose and you want me doing it for that purpose and you know what, your purpose doesn't make my heart sing and so I'm just going to get stressed out about everything. I'm going to find everything and go leave and go somewhere else. Um, so for me that sort of why, the why of security is the most fascinating thing for me. So I'm sort of getting away from how do we do security and just asking why are we doing security and it, it takes me down completely different ways of thinking. It's sort of interesting to me. I, I think it's important. I think it's a great point, though, because yeah. when you think about you're in a company, you're in a business, yeah. and, you know, if you can't deliver an answer as to why, mm. you know, how do you make a decision about what's appropriate, what's not? Because, right. yeah, there is no golden rule or, you know, we have a million frameworks, but none of them is the right thing. In fact, I was just looking at a contract today. It said something about generally accepted security practices. I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? Yeah, who wrote so, that? That's not contractually impossible no. because that, that, that's meaningless. I can argue with you all day about what's generally accepted or not. I mean, yeah. I, you I, know, I generally accept that nobody does security really well. That's my baseline. <laughs> Really bad. <laughs> but, you know, and so, yeah, if you can't understand why you do security, you can't make the right decisions yeah. or, or more importantly, there's not even a right decision. There's a what's right for the business that's decision. Right. And that's kind of the whole point of this show, you know, with, you know, speaking to the business, to the non-security people, um, you know, and I, I think you're right, too, about, you know, compliance. We start there. I think fear also comes in there. I'm not sure if it, some organizations it happens after compliance and more. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you have a you have a breach, yep. and everybody knows you don't let a good breach go to waste, and you yep. hold on to that trauma that everybody felt from having to respond to that breach. You use it as long as you can. Yeah, but it's a weak motivator after a while. Absolutely, not, you can't Absolutely. build a program on that. So how do we step behind that and start mm -hmm. to then build business value? That's what I think is like the really the mark of a maturing security yeah. program is when you start identifying that. Yeah, for sure. And everyone's going about it in different ways. Um, you know, certainly talking to other CISOs, all of them feel like, yeah, they've got fundamental things that they've got to take care of, sort of that, you know, that you might have heard the term, which is also a badly used term, cyber hygiene. So they're working <laughs> on their cyber hygiene and that kind of stuff. But all of them have some kind of nugget of, hey, we're working on this thing and I'm really excited about it and I think it's really cool. And hopefully we can collectively learn from all of those kinds of things and we can start taking best practices and be able to say, we're excited to do, do, to do this because it's good and it leads to good outcomes rather than let's try and avoid pain like it's just yeah. it, if we're going to if we're going to attract people to the industry and keep them because they're not burning out then it has to be a positive experience not a conflict or pain avoidance experience and we, we're we're getting there slowly surely but not there yet so more to come on that one yeah. Oh, for sure. And I, I think, you know, you're, you're starting to hear some cliches form in the vocabulary of CISOs too, right? The, uh, I, I'm a business enabler or, uh, you know, business value. I mean, the idea is good. 
Yeah. But I, I can tell by the look on your face, your experience is probably similar to mine, that when I ask a CISO, mm -hmm. what does that mean to be a business enabler? The answers you get back are sometimes mind-numbing. Um, I think, you know, like, I heard, well, I, I reduce the risk. Yeah, it's like trying to nail jello to a wall, right? Um, uh, yeah, it's it's That's the best visual ever. <laughs> oh, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's um, it, one of the things that I'm really trying to do in my own practice. Um, but as I talk to other CISOs and stuff, is talk in terms of outcome-based language. So you can put something that's really rigorous around. The, again, why do you do what you do? Okay, well, because it's going to lead to some kind of outcome or what's the outcome you want? Let's quantify that and then let's measure ourselves against that outcome. Are we doing that? Are we doing that well? That kind of thing. Um, and up until this point, like, and when I say up until this point, up until the last five to ten years, I don't think the security community at large, there's certainly been some pioneers here, but at large, we haven't been thinking in terms of outcomes. We've been thinking in terms of tools and process and, and people, yeah. which is all that sort of the mechanics of getting it done, but not the what. Like no one does, only security people do security for security purposes, right? Everybody else is doing security for some other thing. And so to be able to say good security leads to this other sort of outcome is a way of tying the two together. And, um, and we're starting to do that, but really slowly. I'd like to see more of it. It's a tough mindset too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're so used to security being treated like an oversight or, oh, you know, some type of regulatory body. And it's like, you know, I, I, I tell people this, and this comes from my, my days as a soccer referee, right? So in, in as soccer football, if we're really going to be correct about it, <laughs> as a football referee, what one of the earliest things they teach you is we are the players' guests on the field. Like they can play this entire game. There's nothing actually in the laws of the game says that they need to have referees. That's cool. They just have the laws of the game that they have to abide by. And right. usually it's the referee. I mean, right. Okay. There are law five and six that now refer to the referee. And I guess you technically do have to, but you know, we were brought in because they couldn't, you know, they couldn't play nice together and they needed right. somebody to mitigate. Yeah. So in similarly, we are guests at the table. Like yeah. the business will run with or without us. The business will make money with mm -hmm. or without us. Yeah. We are there to help drive, you know, that ultimate business outcome and make sure that, yeah, there are risks and threats and things that we have to think about. Yeah. But how does what we do actually make the business better? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It, um, and, I, you know, I think this is where I want to see diversity in the cybersecurity professional makeup because in order to make the business better we've got to think differently about what we do and how we do it and if all we're doing is hiring in our own images we're not going to get that diversity of thought or background um, one of my old jobs in addition to security I was also given the responsibility of managing the digital accessibility team and there was actually a lot of similarity in terms of how you would run a digital accessibility program with how you run a security program or a privacy program or whatever, even if the the goals are different, the, the way you do it is sort of similar. But um, what I found in, in doing that is I started spending a lot of time thinking about technology design 
and how you make technology design more accessible. And surprise, surprise, if I made the technology design more accessible, it also made it more secure, huh? And it made it, it people adopted it easier. So it was, it was also a usability, just generally a usability issue. And I wouldn't have thought about that if I hadn't have had the experience of working with that digital accessibility team. So yes, I'm a white woman who grew up in Australia, who now lives in Ohio, who with a, you know, whatever, whatever, and I've got this background in digital accessibility of a sort, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, that I now bring to whatever I'm doing. And I and I want people who are a part of my team and part of the community who can bring that diversity too, you know? And um, we're getting there, slowly getting there. But, but again, we're not very <laughs> slow yet. Yeah. Well, we, we try, right? And it's, you know, I, I think that I agree. It's, it's improving. And this is the thing that I, I don't, the naysayers, which it, 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 first of all, mind numbing to me that there are naysayers to the idea of diversity, but there mm. are. There are. Um, and of course their thing is, you know, that it's, it's all about people's feelings, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. I mean, mm. that is part of it. Yes. We should like try to treat everybody with respect and Basically, that would be great. Yeah. But there's also there's actually business value in this. We do yeah. so much better in cybersecurity. If I hire somebody, and here's my favorite, I, this is like my favorite one ever because I always throw this example out there. Hire you know somebody who is a barista at a Starbucks, right? right. I mean, or whatever coffee shop. You know, yeah. it's they come in. You know, you can say, well, they've never worked in IT, so what do they know? Well, they have some really unique perspective and they also have some really cool skills in terms of right. how they multitask, how they can take, you know, a lot of conflicting information that comes at them fast and plan it out and, you know, build a process for it. Like that's what they do all day. Right. And right. I, I think, you know, we're, we're starting to get to that point where it's becoming a little more generally accepted that, yeah, you know what, the diversity of our people can actually be part of a job requirement. That's without right. it being something that's illegal because it's discriminatory or something. Right. And right. that's what I need. I feel like we've got to find ways to make those two mesh. And again, that's working. Now we're back to HR again. <laughs> yes. HR, come on, work with us on this. How can we affect that as a job? Uh, maybe a, a candidate evaluation. I don't know where it would fit. Yeah. But that's got to be, it's got to be an active process. It uh, does have to be an active process. And I also think, especially for entry-level roles. If you look at, so first of all, I actually, I quibble that you can have an entry-level cybersecurity role. Now, that's a whole different sort of social media back and forth, I know. I was gonna say, you and I are about to have- I know. Place where I don't think we agree. I think there, I think you can be part of a cybersecurity team and do entry-level work. But in my mind, you're not doing security work until you've got a little bit of experience under your belt. But even when I look at things like that we would consider to be entry level, like SOC analysts or doing sort of security and analysis work or those kinds of things, those roles are very process driven. And I think you can teach someone the process and as they execute the process, they then get the security skills that then take them up into higher levels of cybersecurity, right? So to me, actually, a SOC analyst isn't at, at its earliest stages, isn't a security job. 
It is a job for someone who follows a process that is written by security people. Once they've got the experience of the process, then they and they can start to say, here's how I make the process better. Okay. Now they're doing security work, right? Yeah. So I think one of the things for our hiring managers is to be able to look at the role and say, how much dedicated security experience do you need to bring to this role to be successful? And how much skill like the ability to learn on your, to learn quickly, the ability to think on your feet, the ability to work well with a team, all of those kinds of things, which by the way, a barista gets every single freaking day. Yep. How many of those kinds of skills actually make up a successful role is a is sort of a different way of thinking about it, but no less effective than saying, I want you to go to a community college and get me a two-year degree or a four-year degree out of you know, Ohio no, State. I, I would argue it's even more effective. It's, it's yeah, I, and that's the, and that's the thing. Like, it's those those transcendent like core skills, right? That right. you know that some people would refer to as soft skills, but again, I hate that term too. Mm. It's it, it's core skills. It, right. It's these are things. They're core skills that transcend. And when I talk to people about building resumes, in fact, I just I just did this this week. I had a number of people. I put the offer out there. Send me your resume. I'll look at it. Yeah. You know, and I wish more cybersecurity people could find time to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was one of the common things that I told you that was in my feedback was, you know, okay, you have this unrelated or seemingly unrelated bit of experience here to cybersecurity. Yeah. Find those core things and tie that, you know, tie that into how they fit. That thing that's yeah. not specific where like you could take all of like, say, take the barista, take all the coffee words out of there, right? Yeah. Completely disconnect it from, from being, you know, in, you know, make it completely unidentifiable as yeah. far as what it was that you actually did. And mm. that's the core skill that goes everywhere. Now, that's right. how does that fit security? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And oh, by the way, look at your existing team hiring managers and say where they see where they don't have those skills. And those incoming people can mentor the people who are already on the team with some of that stuff, right? Like, welcome to the team. Wait, a strategic hiring practice that oh, looks for yeah. complementary skills? With an onboarding plan. Radical. <laughs> I mean, sorry, if people, if you're not catching this, it's because Helen and I right now are on the same page that these are the kinds of training things that managers don't get right now not very easily for sure, so for sure. oh my god i i'm loving this and i can't believe we're at 46 minutes and it, we got to wrap things up mm. it's been I mean, great. <laughs> I feel like at the end of every show but honestly wow like we could go on for hours on this yeah. um and we probably will more okay. but uh First of all, I'd love to have you back sometime um, yeah let's do it love to dig into this more and um but no, this has been terrific, Helen. Honestly, this is, I, I knew it was going to be a great show. I mean, how could it not be? But this has been even better than I imagined. <laughs> um, you have a new fan in Kevin Jackson, if you didn't see the comments. Um, <laughs> Kevin is loving you, which is great. I love that we're connecting people too. So to the rest of you out there, thank you again for joining in. Um, you know, Every week we're here. We won't be here next week. Um, I apologize for that. I actually will be on the road and in a position I won't be able to, to do a live show next week. But we'll be right back the week after that. we got plenty more great guests. We'll have Helen back at some point for sure because we got way more to talk about here. And and if this this, this book thing starts happening, we might have to yeah. share some stuff we'll on that. Too, but, uh, <laughs> so cool. 
Well, in any event, y'all, take care. It's been great having you with us. I really appreciate you as always. Also, folks, remember, if you know somebody you'd like to see as a guest on the show, let me know. Hit me up for Mastodon, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you can find me. My website, that's fine, too. Uh, let me know who you think I should have on the show. I'd love to get some more ideas. Again, back to the diversity thing, you know, maybe you can think of some people I'm not thinking of, so that would be good. Um, and then, too, if you know of any organization that might have interest in associating their brand with what we talk about here, you know, Please send them my way as well. We're always looking for those folks as well. You know, kind of help keep the show going for sure. But uh, that's all the time we've got. So, hey, take care, folks. We'll see you next time right here on Security Vigils. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Securing Bridges podcast with Alyssa Miller. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.